magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and saves the crushed in spirit. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I sought the Lord And He answered me And delivered me From every fear Those who look on Him Are radiant Will never be ashamed never be ashamed this poor man cried and the Lord heard me and saved me from my enemies the Son of God surrounds His saints He will deliver them will deliver them. Magnify the Lord with me. Come exalt His name together. Glorify the Lord with me.
cast humble We turn our eyes from evil things Oh Lord, we cast down our idols Give us clean hands Give us pure hearts Let us not lift our souls to another Give us clean hands Give us pure hearts Let us not lift our souls to Watch and pray, finding me 
thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Thank you, Father. You may be seated. 
Hey, Harry, will you mute this mic real quick? Uh, would you pray with me? <clears throat> oh, dear Father, we just come to you, Lord. Um, just lift us up, Father. I lift up this service, Father, and I just ask you to fill this place with your spirit, Lord. I just ask you to open our hearts, open our ears, soften our hearts, Father. We just, we just want to hear you, Father. We're gathered to hear you. And uh, I, I thank you, Father. And I lift up all those that are that are struggling, Father, that are... That are going through hard times, Lord. I just ask you to uh, to show them rest in in your Son. In Jesus' name, I I pray. Amen. You know, I'm I'm very fortunate. I uh, I get to meet with a lot of you on a consistent basis, and I, I get to meet with a lot of non-believers as well on a consistent basis, really to to talk about faith, but. I look forward to meeting with a lot of you and, and when I get to do it. And it's something that I, I definitely I don't take for granted. Um, because I, I love getting to spend time with people because I love hearing about your faith. I love hearing about people's stories with Jesus, what Jesus is doing in their, in their lives. And, and I find that very encouraging. And, and I feel very honored that, that people are, are willing to share that with me. But the other day I, I, I met an individual... This individual doesn't go to this church, so I can talk about him. And he's my friend, so it's okay. But but we met at the caffeinery. And the caffeinery is a is a coffee shop in downtown and it's where I meet a lot of people. Um and and I would say that, you know, it's it's where uh, it's kinda like my base away from here. And I go down there because it's very open, it's very it's just very easy and, and usually when I meet with somebody, especially if that person is a believer, before we uh, end our time together we pray. And this particular day, um, you know, I, I don't always make people pray because sometimes that makes them uncomfortable praying in public. And, and I don't want to force them into that. I want them to be able to step into that but, but not, not be pushed into that. But at the end of this, our time together, this individual wanted to pray. So um, <clears throat> he started praying. And it really didn't take long before it got weird. You know, like his prayer got really loud. Um, it turned into kind of like this name it, claim it kind of thing, which uh, kind of freaks me out, especially in public. And I could, I could tell people around started getting weirded out too. The coffee shop got really, really quiet. And people were, you know, it, it, people were, were taking notice, but they weren't taking notice of, of really what was being said. They were just noticing somebody was praying out loud, and they were getting very boisterous, and I was, I was silently praying for God just to shut this guy's mouth, because I was embarrassed, you know? And, and really, you know, and, and there's, there's kind of a backstory to that, but, but it got awkward. 
And and after this guy, after he stopped praying, he left and I was gathering my things. And it was a full coffee shop. Every table was full and the bar was full. And the guy next to me looked at me and says, says do you really believe that? So I, I knew he was talking about because everybody in that coffee shop just heard that prayer. And I answered him. I said, I said, yeah. And, and it was in a very gentle, very calm way. He said, do you really think that what you're saying is being heard by a higher power? And I said, I said, yeah. I said, you know, that higher power I don't believe is just some, just some like figment of my imagination. That higher power's name is, is Jesus. And he said, yeah, but do you really think that Jesus died for like all of our sins? And that question, it, it really struck me. It really wasn't the questions that struck me. It was how those questions were asked. Because those questions were asked really more of at a place of, I mean, I wish you could have heard this guy's tone. It was more of a concern for me that I believed in this invisible God. It wasn't that he was angry that, that I did, but, but it, was, it was really more out of, out of concern for me. And when I get asked these questions, I don't have this like formulated presentation of the gospel in my head. I, 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 I don't have that because, you know, I've always struggled with when we Christians are together. And this has happened to me a few times and we'll be around and there'll be some non-believers. And I hear like, hey, Grant, uh, this guy's going to hell. Like, why don't you tell him he should become a Christian? You know, and I it's like, wow, so he could be a jerk like you? Like, you know, or that like, hey, Grant, like this guy doesn't know Jesus. Why don't you tell him he should come on our side? And like, I, I, I get what they're saying, but, I, but I've always kind of struggled with that. And... I think when Paul was, was divinely inspired to write the book of Romans, his presentation of the gospel, when he records that Christ died for us while we were still sinners, while we were still dead, that lets me know one thing. That lets me know that Christ is just as concerned for those that know him as he is that those who do not. Those that, those that don't know him. So, all that being said, you know, I don't have this formula worked out in my head that that I have to save people because the fact is I don't save anyone. I, 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 I don't save anyone. I, I don't believe in that. It's the Spirit. It's the Spirit that saves. Even though the Spirit will use me, I, I don't save anyone. But that's what I really fall back on is the Spirit. That's who I want people to have an encounter with. I want people to have an encounter with Jesus. I want people to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Not, not me. And I love it, though, when God uses non-believers to check my faith. When God uses non-believers to, to strengthen my faith. Because as I left this coffee shop, I got in my car. And I started coming back here. And, and I was driving back here. And I really started questioning things. I really started asking myself, you know, do I really believe those things that we were just praying about. Do I, do I really believe that? Do I really believe the things that I say I believe? Because sometimes they come out of my mouth before I even have time to think about it. They're just off of my lips. And do, do I really believe those things? And, you know, I started asking, you know, like, what really does the, the Christian believe? Get past, like, all the denominational stuff, all the baggage we carry in, all the personal theologies. What does the Christian believe? And, you know, I kind of struggled with this for, for a few weeks. But I think it gets back to the cross. That's really where, where it gets back to. So when looking at the cross, it, it's helpful. I think it's beneficial when studying it to, 
to view it in three ways. One, the need for the cross. Two, what the cross enabled. What it did. And three was what it changed for mankind. How were things different because of the cross? So today, I, I, I'm going to get through at, at least three of uh, Radical Ted's big four. Um, that's an inside joke with me and Ted. Uh, Ted's radical, man. <laughs> but it, it, it really is, though, because, like, I, I mean, it really is radical because it's, it's the big four. It's the big four that no matter if you're Baptist or, or whatever you are, this is what we all believe in. One is creation. God created the world. God created mankind. Two is the fall of man. All man sinful. And we're, we're going to get into this. Three is the cross, but Jesus is the only Savior. Four being the return. I'm not going to get into eschatology today because I prefer to go shorter than longer, so I don't want to just drop a bunch of information on you. But in the midst of doing this, we're going to finish the book of Galatians. And we're not even going to open up the book of Galatians today because really the last part of the book of Galatians, Paul is dealing with... Um, some things going on in the Galatian church, and really what he gets back to is the cross and the freedoms that that allowed for, and, and really what that did. So I, I, we don't have to get into that, but but to teach this, I really have to give you an entire view of the cross. So an entire view of the cross, we have to start with creation. So if you'll open with me, it's just the very first very first page of the Bible, Genesis one, the first two verses. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I find this so deep because what an illustration God has given us through His Word. I mean, this is really the eve of creation. You know, light didn't even exist up until the third verse. But but something is about to take place here. Something is about to happen. That's why I say it's the eve of creation. And with the commandment of God, He calls light into existence. And then after He calls light into existence, He separates light and darkness. And then the rest of creation follows. And of course, the Genesis account gives us this, happens in six days. And on the seventh day, He, he rested. So, you know, when we hear this term, we hear creation, or I'm a creationist, and and really what that is is an acceptance of God creating the universe as well as mankind, all life. And, you know, I know, like, creation and and this account, I know it it might seem kind of boring because creation and what took place in the garden is something that we've heard a million times. I mean, I've heard it so much, sometimes it doesn't even penetrate me, unfortunately. But I, I, it's easy to gloss over because we're taught it as kids. We've heard it as much as Noah's Ark. But I believe that creation and what happened in the garden points to the cross. And, and, and I think it's important. So jump with me to the second chapter of Genesis. And I'm just going to read verses 16 and 17. It says, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it you shall surely die. What is interesting, if you look at Scripture and you see a commandment in Scripture, the intent was always protection. 
It wasn't to to keep man from experiencing something fun or to to keep us in the dark or something. It was it was to protect us to to keep us from destroying ourselves. To keep us from experiencing things that he never intended for us to experience like death. Never intended for us to experience that separation because God knew our hearts. He knows our hearts today. He knows what we're capable of and, and, and really what we're capable of doing to ourselves. So anytime you see a commandment in Scripture, the intent is always to protect God's heart or to protect man's heart and that relationship we have with God. Now, unfortunately, something happens. Something takes place in the third chapter. And this is this is the fall of man. And, and you know, we're going to talk about sin. And sin can get kind of hard, but we're not going to leave it at sin. I'm not do, just going to leave you with the problem. I'm going to give you the solution to the problem as well. And that's why we have to look at the entire view of this. But Genesis 3, verses 1 through 7, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from, from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, and he did as well. Then the eyes of both were opened. They realized they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So what strikes me is how similar I approach sin myself. How similar I approach sin myself, because I do the same thing. I, I really do, because what was done in the garden really is no different than what we do today. This rationalizing of sin. There's a rationalizing of sin which, you know, we tend to talk ourselves into things we, we want to do or, or we think we want to do and things we think we need. We, we rationalize those things and we, we start to tell ourselves these things and we begin to believe that lie. It's that kind of like, you know, like, hey... Really doesn't matter. Like, remember, we're covered in grace, right? Like, our sins have been paid for. Um, you know, or I haven't done this in a while. I can step into this. I haven't flown off the handle in a while. I can step into this. I can do this. And really, what that is is it's just a rationalizing. It's a it's a belittling, and and I, I think that we still approach sin like that to to justify our actions. Sometimes, you know, like I'm tired, so I flew off the handle because I'm tired. Of course, you're tired. We're all tired. You know, that's just part of it. But really, when, when you rationalize sin, it's an attempt to make something normal, something really acceptable, and, and, and something that holds little weight. And, and in this passage, you even see the serpent questioning God. You know, did God really say that? Did, did he really say, like, you shouldn't eat from that tree? That's, that really wasn't what he meant. And that really was an attempt to just manipulate the situation, belittle, again, rationalize and, and I imagine, I have no scriptural proof of this, but I imagine that, that after they ate this fruit that, like, that looked so good and, and, and it looked so special, after they ate it, it, it probably didn't look much different than the rest of the trees in the garden. It probably looked the same. 
pray didn't look as special because sin is like that. You know, sometimes it, it stimulates our brain. Sometimes, you know, it's exciting. And, and it seems that like whatever we're struggling with or, or whatever it is we need, we think that whatever it is is exactly what we need. It's what will make us feel better. It's what will, will get us through. But, but in the end and in hindsight, it's always empty. It's always useless. It's always, it's always, it's always leaves us feeling hollow. And because we have the Holy Spirit, we feel conviction for that. We feel convicted by that. Because the sin nature is found in all of us. Every one of us in this room is affected by it. The kids that are being born right now in the hospital are affected by it. They're stepping into that. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And again, I know like sin can seem like, like a damper and, and just hard. And, and when I study sin, though, I, I look at it in a slightly different manner. Because I don't look at sin as just like this hellfire and brimstone type mentality. Now, Romans 6 does tell us that the wages of sin is death. And, and, and that's absolutely true. But I, when, when I study sin, I'm always hit with this sense of hope. This, this, this sense of hope that I believe there's still hope in the world. And, and it's not this hope that comes from, you know, positive vibes and, and a positive outlook. The hope comes from the cross. This hope comes directly from the cross. And, and, and this cross is... I mean, you see crosses everywhere in our culture. They're everywhere. Now, how many times have you heard, Jesus died for your sins? I heard that so many times growing up. But, but you know, we don't often hear what actually took place on the cross. What was the change made for mankind after the cross? Due to a, a separation that, that was present a void that, that existed in a relationship between God and man. So, what actually took place? Because I don't think we have to be theologians or we even have to have much common sense to, to kind of look out into the world and see that something's not right. You know, something's, something's off. Something doesn't quite link up. And my, But my focus here is the cross. So, what is the atoning work of Christ? What is the atoning work of Christ? Turn to me with, to Romans 3. Romans is one of my favorite books. But verses 21 through 26, and Paul writes, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. Remember that, to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So, redemption is found in Christ. And because of that, those in Christ, those who call on His name, are redeemed. We have been redeemed because the payment of sin was paid in full on the cross. It was given in full on the cross. And, and that substitutional sacrifice, you'll hear that, substitutional sacrifice was Christ, blameless before God, it took on, 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 on 
our sin and in that imparted his righteousness. So because of that we are justified. And you know justification can be it can be hard to grasp because sometimes it gets back to that question that like do you really believe that God has forgiven you of your sin? And I'm not talking about the little sin. I'm not talking about like the sins that like we kind of engage in when we're behind the wheel of a car. I'm talking about that sin that is embarrassing for you. That sin that like is kind of in the back of your head where you're always like, you know, like I know I know Jesus is like covering me in grace, but I'm talking like that sin. I'm talking about like the skeletons in the closet. Do you really believe that Jesus has forgiven you for those? That he is not recording them. He's not going to pull them out that he has forgiven you for those. Because it's hard to feel, not just believe, but feel that, that God has forgiven you when sometimes we haven't forgiven ourselves. And, and, and that doesn't change how God views us because of what Jesus has done. So whether you've forgiven yourself or not, the Christian fact is that God has. That God, that God has forgiven you and since we are justified... We have peace with God. You know, He views us through the righteousness of His Son. No longer through our sins. No longer through Adam. But through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And Christ imparting His righteousness on us and bearing our sin for mankind. You know, down the road... We, we, if you want to talk to me about it after service, we, I can talk to you about, I don't want to get into it right now, but how we know that that sacrifice was acceptable to God. The sacrifice of Christ. But So, if we are viewed as righteous and justified by faith, and we now have peace with God, how should that affect our lives? How should that change our lives? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a story. Um... This story is kind of crazy. Uh, I was going to tell it one time and I just didn't feel led to. And I was praying about it this week. I have to give a couple disclaimers on the story. One, the story never happened. So don't ever ask me about this story again. I'll tell it one time and then it's done. Two, the other person in the story has to remain nameless. I'm not a dude that quotes the Constitution, but I will uphold the Fifth Amendment to the fullest, whether that means contempt in court or not. I don't care. So this other person has to remain nameless. Um, but uh, so you know, I think like most of us, you know, the time, especially parents, the time that you have for yourself usually happens at night. It usually happens late at night when everybody's done doing what they need to do. And that's the time that you like get to do the things that you want to do, right? So for me, I have this routine. And I know I've, I've talked about this before. But I have this routine that um, whether there's a foot of snow on the ground or it's 95 degrees, I get in my car and I drive out to a place in the country. And, and I have this place in the country that I go to, and it's, I go there because it's very isolated. And I might, some nights I won't even see any cars. But sometimes I have, and I go out there and I just pray. And, and I spend time with God. And that's like the time I, I really get, like, I really wrestle with God. I really hash things out. And, and I, you know, sometimes I might only have 20 minutes. And sometimes I will have, uh, I might not come home till 5 in the morning, seriously. And it's because I'm praying with God. I have this routine of, of where I go. And I can't tell you where I go because I want to be the only one there. But, but like, it, it, there's really nobody around. 
So, and, and I got there and I pray and, and I put my phone on vibrate and I have this whole like kind of thing I do and I, you know, sometimes I'm like crying, sometimes I'm listening, sometimes I'm joyful, sometimes I'm hopeful, uh, sometimes I'm not. Well, on this particular night, this happened a couple months ago and I, I hadn't even told my wife this story yet, um, so I'll probably get in trouble for that, but I, uh, I was driving and... I remember exactly what I was praying about, what what um, I was talking about with the Lord. And I was driving, and the next thing I know is that, uh, so I was going like northbound, and the next thing I know, there's a car next to me. Uh, this car's a little bit different than any other car. This car has lights on the top of it, uh, and the sirens were on. So, uh, and I found out, uh, I blew through two stop signs, and uh, this cop had been chasing me for a mile and a half at 30 miles an hour, you know, high-speed chase. Uh, so, uh, and he pinned me in, like, so I, 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 I came to a screeching halt, and I, I said, I'm going to jail, <laughs> you know. So uh, I, I wondered what elder I was going to call. I was going to call Joe Blaylock. <laughs> So you posted my bail? Good. Well, if you if you weren't, I was going to call Miranda because when I didn't pay Miranda back, I wouldn't have felt bad. <laughs> but so he pinned me in. Don't do this when you get pulled over. Don't jump out of the car. But I felt like I needed to tell him what I was doing. Okay, so I jumped out of the car, and I get like two inches from my door, and I said, "Don't take me to jail. Don't take me to jail, man. I'm sorry." And I hear paraphrased I hear Grant what are you doing so I knew this guy but I don't so I don't know who this guy is ever he doesn't even exist because this story never happened so I knew this guy he says what are you doing and I said I was praying (laughs) you know and of course that sounds crazy right and, and it kind of was. But he says, you got to give me something better than that. And I said, I, I've known this guy for a while. He's been a cop on and off for like 17 years. I said, you, have you ever heard that excuse before in your entire career? He says, no. I mean, like, I, every day I look in uh, the starpress.com for people because I need, I find a lot of people I went to school with through the years that get in trouble and, and I need to jump up to the jail. And I, and I go up there and I pray with them and I talk about Jesus with them and stuff. And, I mean, face it, like, if I'd have got arrested that night, I'd fit in with all those guys in the busted section, like, white guys with long hair and neck tattoos, like, that's just, that's just the way it is. But I don't think, I mean, that would have been a great headline, but long story short, and, and really this story isn't what, what happened isn't really the big part of the story, but long story short, I ended up sitting on this guy, on, on the hood of his cop car, and I drank his thermos of coffee over the course of, like, an hour um, and we just ended up talking, but I, I you know, I didn't, I didn't tell you that story to like, prove to you that, like, you know, my my faith is so deep, and I have this like just this deep walk, and I'm this great Christian, I'm this good Christian. I don't, I don't know what a good Christian looks like. I really don't. I mean, if I had to put a face on it, I'd say Elton Morehouse, but like, I, I, I don't know. What a good what a good Christian looks like, and and I didn't tell you this to like to lift myself up, but because you know I have my ups, I have my downs, I have my struggles. You know, Paul had a thorn. There's times in my life I feel like I got five or six. There's times in my life where I'm just struggling. 
And I'm just grasping to the cross. But, but I told you this story because I wanted to give you an example. I wanted to ask you the question, who even gave me the right to pray? To get so intimate in prayer that I become oblivious to my surroundings. That I zone out to my surroundings. Who gave me that right? It wasn't me. I didn't just one day think, oh, I'm just going to be holy. I'm just going to be holy. I'm going to be spiritual. Who gave me that right? It was the cross. What was done on the cross? What has been abled for us because of Jesus' work on the cross? And the resurrection, you know, I, and I, I, I could tell you, all the things going on in Muncie right now, the best thing about living in Muncie, and you'd be hard-pressed to find a lot, but the number one best thing about living in Muncie is all of the opportunities we have to share our faith and what Jesus is doing in our lives. That's the best thing about living in Muncie, because there's a huge need in Muncie right now, and that is the best thing. Everywhere I go, all the opportunities I have to share with people what Jesus has done in my life. What Jesus is doing in my life. Because, you know, I I just don't want to be comfortable sitting in church. You know? I hear people say like, hey, I, I want to get deep. Like, I want to get deeper on Sunday mornings. So we should go deeper. And I'm like, man, that's great. You feel that way. But the fact is, like, it takes place out there. We're here for like an hour and a half. I mean, maybe if you hang out and talk, two hours. So how many hours are left of the rest of the week to get deep, to walk this out? I mean, Sunday mornings for me are kind of like kicking back, like relaxing, getting to hang with everybody, getting to see everybody, getting to talk with everybody. I mean, if I am not walking with the Lord during the week, we can't expect it just to happen here. I can't do it for you. Ted can't do it for me. I can't do it for him. But we have the Holy Spirit. So don't be afraid of the Spirit. I mean, the Spirit's put me in places. I could tell you guys some stories that the Spirit has put me in places sometimes where it was scary. It was it was shocking. It was places very uncomfortable. I did not want to be. But it was at the Spirit's leading. Some of those things I failed and some of those things I walked through. But you can feed yourself. With the intent of growing and the intent of helping those feed themselves. Because some of us are struggling. Some of us are going through times in our lives that are just hard. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're immature in your faith. Sometimes things are just going on. But we have that ability to grow and to walk in our sanctification because what was done on the cross... So my hope for us is that we become uncomfortable with being comfortable and just coasting in our faith. And just coasting in these things and just waiting for somebody else to take ownership of this and tell us what to do rather than us taking ownership. Because what was done on the cross is done just that. So as the praise team comes up, I'll I'll pray. Dear Father, I just thank you for today, Lord. Just uh, I lift up Max to you, Father. And says we go out this week and uh, 
into the world and to the places where you have us, Father. I just want to bear the image of, of your Son, Lord. Just ask you for that continual guidance, Father. To continue to, to continue to carry us, Lord. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us? In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength. My song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter. My all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand.
Christ alone. I give my life, I give my all. I sing this song to Christ alone. The King of kings, the Lord of all. All heaven sings to Christ alone. is the power of Christ in me from life's first cry to final breath Jesus commands my destiny